in case you missed it, my book Anatomy of Abundance hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine Organization. Shine Organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is all about replacing toxic stress with inner peace. My guest today is Dr. Ajua Aku. She's a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in stress management, trauma, and spirituality. She's a former president of the New York Association of Black Psychologists. In addition, Dr. Aku is a renowned workshop facilitator and trainer for the NYPD hostage negotiator team. She's an acclaimed author of seven self-help books. The last is Cultivating Inner Peace, a sustainable system for the professional Black woman. Dr. Aku is a wife and mom and knows what it feels like to be overwhelmed and weighed down by all the roles of a Black woman. This is why she founded and is the trailblazer for Sister Peace. Her community helps Black women replace toxic stress with inner peace. We have so much to talk about. Welcome, Dr. Aku. Thank Welcome, you. Welcome, Ashua. Thank you. So much for having me here. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I finally have you so I get to pick your brain. I want to hear all about you and what your life experiences have been that have motivated you to do all that you do now, because I'm sure it's a lot more than what I just read about. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is. Interestingly, I've narrowed it down to three, and it looks like it might end up being four things that I focus on. And they're all really related to my life and my life experiences uh, as a clinical psychologist. So starting with speaking, corporate speaking, I love helping all people transform stress into peace. Stress is one of those things for businesses that people don't even realize how it can interfere with productivity And that we all have stress, but it's really about not letting that stress become chronic, which turns into toxic stress, which turns into, uh, can be deadly. And so helping all businesses and and organizations help their workers not learn how to manage stress better, especially a lot during COVID. That was something that I was doing all the time during COVID. So that's one of the things that I do. The other thing is focusing on Black women. As a a Black woman, as someone who 
the story I like to tell is in 2008, when there was the stock market crash, that was the year that I had a personal crash. It was an amazing year with so many things that happened in one year, many of them good things. I got remarried. I got pregnant with my second daughter. I moved from Brooklyn, where I had a house, to New Rochelle, but then the stock market crashed. We couldn't sell the house. We had to renovate and become landlords for the first time. Stress. I went on bed rest with my second pregnancy. Bed rest is not restful. There's some stress there. The baby was born prematurely. I'm managing a teenager. And then somebody in my little family was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. So 2008 was an overwhelmingly crazy, stressful year. And I'm embarrassed to say that at one point I found myself managing my stress with Oreo cookies. Oreo cookies, which are vegan, but not healthy, <laughs> not the best stress management tool, especially for a psychologist. Before okay. I knew it, I let's gained- talk about that. <laughs> Exactly. Right. I gained weight and I was weighing more than I did when I gave birth to the baby and she was premature, but she was only premature like by a week. She wasn't that premature that I should be weighing that much more. And so I went back to therapy. I was like, something's got to give. I have to figure this out. And I realized that before I got married again, I had this incredible system of self-care. I got up early every morning for about a half an hour. I did some meditation and prayer. Another half an hour, I did some reading, spiritual things, psychological things. And then another half an hour of exercise all before I got my little one, the the little one that I had at that time, up and ready to go to school. And I was able to do that almost every day. And then with all of this stuff in 2008, I couldn't do any of that stuff. But in 2009, I figured out how to break that up into smaller bite-sized pieces, how um, meditation for even five minutes is effective, how to incorporate the five senses in, uh, and how to do all these little things that all add up if you do them consistently across the day. So that's what I teach people to do uh, in corporate settings. And that's what I focus on with Black women, because so many of us especially, I mean, this is something that can affect anybody. And certainly women, you know, this is something that can be universal women, but black women in particular, many of us were raised with this idea that taking care of everybody else first and putting ourselves last and taking care of ourselves is selfish. And so it's especially important for us. And in my family, my mom was an only child, but she was teenager when she had me. She was 19 when I was born. So a lot of her close friends became my aunties and helped her raise me. But I watched so many of them be strong Black women and then not enjoy their retirement because they died, they had chronic diabetes, high blood pressure, like all of these things that stress doesn't cause, but stress exacerbates. Mm -hmm. And so learning to manage your stress better helps you be healthy. And that's what is so important for me, for Black women to be healthier. So that's why that's the second thing that I do. Um, and kind of related to that, it looks like I will shortly be starting, this is, this is brand new, like in Revelation today, but helping <laughs> with coaching around diabetes for Black women in particular, because uh, I helped a good friend of mine who was struggling, was very sick with diabetes. And I like Spirit helped me find this program that was really about eating whole food, plant-based vegan diet, which I was already eating a vegan diet, but this is really low oil and no processed foods. So I helped my friend find that and that helps her heal. Mm -hmm. And then 
together, we got my mom on that diet and that helps her heal. And so this thing is kind of snowballing. And so in my, my meeting with the, the sister piece, that, that program with Black women this morning, we ended up talking about that and now they want to join. And so, so this might become a bigger thing, but that that's brand new. So, so that's kind of the almost fourth. And then the third thing I do is coaching for ADHD. So also, and it's so interesting how all of this stuff comes out of my personal experience, but I think it's because of my personal experience that I have such passion for doing these things. Mm -hmm. But my little one has ADHD during COVID, especially hit hard. It was really difficult that quick transition to homeschooling was very difficult. And so I knew a little bit as a psychologist, I knew a little bit about ADHD, done a little bit of work, but because it was affecting my little one so hard, I decided to go back and get some more education. I did a 50 hour course with the Amen Clinic and became a preferred provider with them. And then after that, I did you know more courses, read more books and just really absorbed everything I could because I knew that I needed to bring my professional experience and my personal experience together to help my, my little one. And I did. And we are closer than, I can't believe how close we are when they're 15. You know, 15-year-olds can be so crazy making, but we are incredibly close. We're working through this together. We really are handling very well. They went from being stressed and, and crying to now taking AP classes and enjoying school for the most part and finding their passion in school, want to be a lawyer, want to advocate for people. So I can see how important it is. And I know how frustrated I was as a psychologist, knowing something about ADHD, how frustrated I was before I got all this education. And also during COVID, I had a lot of patients that had ADHD. So I found myself working with adults that, that are recently diagnosed or struggling with it. And so I also have a coaching program where I help adults and I help families. I don't work with children. Um, I work with their parents because I, I know that that's where a lot of the frustration is. And if you work with the parents and help parents better manage the frustration and come up with systems, then you help the, the families. So those are all the things that I do. And I love every single one of them. They're all so much fun and they feel, it feels so important that mm. God has given me these challenges and the tools to work through them so that I could have inside information as well as professional experience to help other people. Oh my goodness. Well, that's much more than I've read about in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that, that was is long, right? Yeah, that is amazing. That is amazing. But I want to go back to something you talked about this myth of the strong black woman and, you know, Maybe we could talk a little bit about how we go about dismantling that, redefining it, whatever you want to call it, because we can be strong, but and, and not in the way of our ancestors, not like our mom did, our grandmother, our great grandmother did. They had different challenges. Their journey was different. And we saw what being strong did to them in the end, you know? Exactly. And, and some of it really is. There is generational trauma, there's genetics and epigenetics where we see that some of these things that happen literally get encoded in us. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about the life of a slave woman and you think about some of the trauma she went through, so in hopefully not traumatizing anybody even saying this, but imagine having your, your husband or your child sold off mm -hmm. so that you no longer have a connection with them. You can't then get in the bed and pull the covers up over your head and say, okay, I'm not picking cotton today. You don't have that option. You don't have the option to break down. Uh, not that people, I'm sure they, 
they did in, in different ways. But for most of us, the, those of us who survive, right? So, so the mm-hmm. thing about genes is you have to survive for your genes to be passed down. So those people who totally gave up in one way or another, most of their genes didn't get passed down. The ones that we have are the people who decided, okay, I don't have this the option. I'm going to still go pick cotton. I'm going to go do whatever it is that I need to do and keep moving. So on the one hand, it's been encoded genetically. Then it's been encoded also from observation, mm. right? what we see our moms do, right? the, the values that we see you know, from the beginning, watching mom be the one. Everybody else is sitting down and mom's running around cleaning up and doing this and doing that. So we, we encode that from watching. And we know that children learn more. And you know this as, as, as a psych Children learn more from what they watch you do and then what you say. So exactly. we encode it from that. And then you add on to it, the, then the next step is the, the messages that we get, right? The, something, things that are said inadvertently, like, you know, taking care of yourself is selfish, right? Mm. Uh, you need to take care of other people first. So, so there are other, so three different ways this gets encoded in us. And it's no wonder it's a challenge to, to redefine. So I really try to help people make the mindset shift first. And that mindset shift is that, I think of the airplane. When you're on an airplane and you they the stewardess does the the whole it's probably stewardess is probably not, you know, the right language, sorry. But when when the person that is on making sure that you are served well and safe on the plane does the whole rigmarole about safety, they say that when the oxygen mask drops, put yours on first and make sure yours is secure before you help anybody else. So that is the mindset shift I try to help, especially Black women make, that it is not selfish to take care of yourself. In fact, if you take good care of yourself, then you can take care of everybody else with more joy and less resentment. Because what happens is Black women take care of everybody else, but that's why we get to be the angry Black woman, because then we start to resent it and it shows up in somewhere. It's going to show up somewhere. But if you are, if your cup is full, if you are fully charged and you're feeling good, then when you take care of your family and your community, you're doing it from a place of joy. And then there's no resentment. And then there's no bad experience for your body. Because that's mm-hmm. the other place that it comes out. When you're doing it from resentment, that's when you start to have your body break down and your body not be healthy. So that's the place to start that we have to shift our minds and think of what it's like to be in an airplane. We're putting our oxygen mask on first. We're taking care, good care of us so that we can take better care of everybody else from a place of joy and peace. Wow. So tell me a little bit about, you know, the people that have motivated you and inspired you to be this psychologist, mom, taking care of others by teaching us how to, you know, reclaim our inner peace because we always have help on the journey. Yes. Oh, yes. We, we always have help. And there's always help and motivation every step of the way. I definitely think those aunts of mine, um, especially my Aunt Jay, who died, there was something about her death. She died of cancer, but she was obese. She worked, uh, you know, my whole life, I remember her working two jobs. Mm-hmm. She was always working a lot. and. When she died, I thought she didn't get to enjoy her retirement. Mm -hmm. She worked and worked and worked and worked. And what's the point of doing all that work if you don't at some point get to rest and enjoy it? And so she was a major motivator for me in seeing how stress 
know, doesn't help us. And wanting to make sure that that is not, not what I pass down to my children. And so really focusing on, well, what legacy am I giving? How am I undoing these generational curses? And so I have a day off. Monday is my day off because I work all day on Saturday. So I take off Monday and that's what my children remember. And we'll remember that they're they're seeing me take my day off, and they know that. And and you know, I have a 15 year old, so the reality is, it's not like I get all day, but I get most of the day. And my 15 year old knows. Don't don't ask mom. This is mom's day off. Don't ask mom for anything. And guess what? The 15 year old has Saturday off. They work hard all week. Saturday is your day off. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. That occasionally we all have to do something, even on our days off. But really, that's the day. I don't ask you to do anything. For the most part, that's your day. And so that already they're starting to get in this idea that as I move into the world, I need to make sure that I find time for me and I balance. So balance is already there. And so that's my motivation, really wanting my children to have a different experience than I did because I can see, I can pinpoint when I made that shift, that 2008, 2009 time when I made that shift. Because in 2009, I think, I, I hope I said that, that I was able to go through 2009 as things, the circumstances didn't change. 2009, you know, when somebody's diagnosed with cancer in 2008, then the treatment happened in 2009. But I was able to handle the treatment. There was surgery. The surgery didn't get all the cancer. And when we were told that, I did not need Oreo cookies to manage that. I was able to, to use meditation and journaling and long walks, like all of these things in order to manage 2009. So I can pinpoint when that happened. I don't want my children to have to, to make this shift in their lives. I want them from the beginning to be able to have that balance. And I think that they, they do because they've seen me. But because I am a Black woman and we are so communal as a people, it's important that it's not just about me and my family and my children. It's about all of the Black women around me. So I want, I mean, I want the whole world to manage stress better. Not because I think that everything's exacerbated, including things like racism. Right? Things are exacerbated. One of the things I do is is work with the police officers and train them in mental health and mental illness and how to use de-escalation skills when they are in situations when somebody is uh, emotionally distressed. Part of what I teach them to do also is managing their own distress, because if they are calmer and more at peace, they're better able to read the situation, to notice the signs, to see if this person is really of a danger to them or not. I know that there are some police out there that are really just you know, bad, but I truly believe from working with them that many of them are not, and they don't wake up in the morning saying, I want to go out and kill somebody. They go out and they're scared and they don't they don't know how to manage their own stress in the moment and that fear is what leads to these things. So if we can help people manage stress better, fear better, then we will help the world be better. And so I want everybody to, to deal with stress better, but especially as a black woman, coming from black women, being raised by black women, it's especially important to me that black women manage our stress better. Yes, absolutely. And then, so how do Black men fit into your vision? I know you work with a lot of men, you know, you work with police officers, but let's talk about, you know, Black men, because they have their own unique set of, you know, they challenges. Do. They do. And, and that's, you know. that's a great question, because since I do focus on women so much, people are often asking me, what about the men? <laughs> I, yes, Black men are so important. Uh, I 
I don't work specifically with black men. I mean, I work with black men in some ways, but Sister Peace is specifically for black women so that we have our own space. But there are some things that Sister Peace does that are open to anybody and everybody, including black men, because we support each other. Right. So it's important that black men have some understanding of what their wives their sisters, their mothers are going through, what their daughters are going to go through, right? So it's important for them to understand this. And we need them to partner with us to say, okay, thank you, but sit down now, right? Are you taking good care of yourself as opposed to just demanding from us? So they're part of this shift, this mental shift about the strong Black woman, because they've also been indoctrinated into this idea that women can do anything and everything and we can just keep going. So how do they know so then they just see that we're, we're angry, but they don't understand where the anger comes from. So we need them educated as well to help us you know, refill our cups to say, it's okay to, to go ahead and take your day off and relax. My husband knows that Monday's my day off. You know, he's on pick up and drop off for our little one on Mondays so that he's supporting my day off. So that's, it's a partnership. So that's where men fit into it. And I support and I'd like to partner with psychologists that are men that are doing work specifically for men. Um, I love partnering with whenever I get an, an opportunity so that we can work together to support you know, the whole community. So talk a little bit more about your latest book, because you are the author of several books. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, my latest book is Cultivating Inner Peace. Uh, it's a sustainable system for professional Black women. And the fun of writing this book was almost kind of like writing poetry, which I've made really short chapters because the idea is we're busy, right? We've got busy professional Black women. You don't have time to read, you know, one chapter to be 80 pages long. So the chapters are two and three pages long, and each chapter focuses on one small thing you can do to sustain your inner peace, to cultivate mm-hmm. your inner peace. So there's a chapter, uh, there's, each of our five senses has its own chapter. Because people don't always realize how powerful our senses are in helping us cultivate inner peace. There's aromatherapy. So in your office, you can have something that smells good, that, and those smells can be relaxing for you. I did a workshop. Then afterwards, I heard that at the next meeting, everybody was drinking their herbal tea. Right? Because again, that's something you can do during the workday. <laughs> You've got your tea, exactly. That's something you can do during the workday. And in you know, many, many years ago, you had to know which herbs you were putting together. Now you can go into any supermarket and there are a few different companies that have herbal teas that there's a stress-reducing formula. So drinking a cup of tea and um, there are a zillion different ideas. So each chapter explains a little bit about how this system works like so how the um, how eating for stress management works mm-hmm. and then gives concrete tips and tools different things that you can do in order to manage your stress that are simple and easy it doesn't take a lot of time to, to get a cup of tea it doesn't take a lot of time to to have something that smells good in your office to have something visual up I have uh, some quotes and things around my office to as visual reminders so those kinds of things um, I also talk about things like the difference between venting and complaining, right? Because so many of us then get on this negative thing of complaining, but when you just complain, it's kind of like you're creating a negative circle. It just keeps going around and around and around. Venting is more linear. You get it out, but then you end in gratitude and solution. Mm-hmm. Right, so you can complain about, well, you know, I hate this workplace, and you know everybody's bad here, but but 
if you just complain about it, nothing ever changes. If you, you complain to get it out and you, you vent to get it out, and then you think about, well, I'm grateful that I have a job because so many people don't, right? Then you start to feel better. How can I make this place better, right? You go to solution. Then you start to feel better. It, you can do something with that. And so there's a chapter in there about the difference between venting and complaining. There's chapters about you know, what we eat. There's a little chapter about just about everything. And the other special thing about this book, and this is not for everybody that reads the book, but because I'm a mom, I add at the end of every chapter, there's some tips for moms. So, you know, tips on how to teach your children how to meditate. Um, so spe- specific things that you can do for yourself and for your, your family that then promotes whatever the, the chapter was about. So that's it in a nutshell. Okay. So tell me about what you do in your free time. How do you reclaim your inner peace daily? We know about Mondays. Mondays are off limits. Yes, um, that's a good question. And it, it's a good time that we're, we're talking about this because there are these transitions. And although I know podcasts are, you know, this will be out forever, we are actually talking in September when there's a transition from the summer where I had all the light summer ease where I could do whatever I wanted to. Well, not really, but almost. I had a lot lighter schedule. And now we're moving into the school year where I have a 15-year-old. My 15-year-old is in this gifted acting program in their, their public school, but it starts at, we have to be out the door at 7 a.m. I'm a morning person and 7 a.m. It still feels like super early. So I have to make sure they're up dressed, ready in the car by 7 a.m. School starts at 7.22. But, you know, if you're on time, you're late. So they have to be there a couple of minutes early. Really. So I'm in this process of transitioning right now. And I'm giving myself grace and the whole month of September to kind of figure out how do I put my exercise schedule back in? How does my work schedule fit in? When do I meditate? Kind of how does this flow around the school schedule. I have some idea from last year, but I'm giving myself just time and space to to Mm -hmm. get into it. My favorite thing to do when I have the time is to do what I call marathon walks. I like to walk literally 10, 12 miles. Sometimes I jog and walk. Um, Sometimes I just walk, but 10, 12 mile walks is, is one of my happy places. I'm usually listening to something spiritual, not always. Sometimes I'm just listening to a good murder mystery. Sometimes I'm listening to music. But it's an opportunity to go out where we live is grass and trees everywhere, to go be in nature, to be in my own space, and to move my body. And moving my body is definitely it's a form of meditation for me. And so that's my favorite thing to do. But as we transition, I could do that a lot more in the summer. When the little one didn't have to go anywhere early, I could get up and go for an early walk. The sunlight is coming up early so I could safely walk. And now we're moving to a point I tried to do it the other day and it was windy and it was like 50 something degrees. And even <laughs> though I had on a jacket, the wind was making my ears cold. And I stood outside my car and I looked around and I said, this is the time that you scheduled to walk, but you're cold and uncomfortable. Go home. And I did. I was like, I don't have to do this. That I walk for pleasure. And I do walk for health, but also giving myself grace that if it's going to be feel like torture, then what's the point? So I came home and then I went for a walk later in the day when it was the sun you know, was higher and it was a little warmer. So walking is my favorite thing. Meditating is really important to me. Dancing whenever I can. Moving my body is definitely one of my places and spaces of inner peace. I love that. Okay. So I'm feeling you on the walks. 
It's all about finding the right time of day. And definitely discomfort is not a way to feel peaceful. You don't feel peaceful when you're cold. And (laughs) I hate being cold. So do you have any messages for the listeners, like any key points that you want them to remember? What I'd like to share with you and the listeners is my favorite go-to breathing technique. Um, So I want to give you and the listeners a gift of stress reduction. I I do this in every workshop. I actually like to call my workshops play shops because I like them to be more fun and interactive than workshops. You know, we all learn better when we're playing. So I try to make them as fun and interactive as possible. And so I do this in every play shop. I do it in pretty much every meeting uh, as much as possible. This is my go-to. I I have two go-tos, but the one I'm going to show you right now is called the breath square. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is you're going to inhale for a slow count of four. You're going to hold the breath in your lungs for a slow count of four. You're going to exhale to a slow count of four. And then you're going to wait before you inhale again as I count to four. Okay. Okay. So I want you to pay attention to how you're feeling right now. And for any of you, everybody listening, you, know, you can do this. Uh, pay attention to how you're feeling right now. When you can see me, I actually draw a square in the air. But you can draw a square around whatever screen you're watching on. Mm -hmm. You can close your eyes and just listen to the sound of my voice and follow along. So, ready? Here we go. Inhale. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Exhale. Two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Hold. Two, three, four. Return to breathing as normal. And how do you feel? That feels wonderful. Yay. And that only takes a minute. That what we just did, it took as long to explain what to do as it did to do the exercise. It only takes a minute. It's so effective. It's my go-to when I'm feeling stressed. And my gift to you and everybody else, that it's really something that is so doable because you can do that anywhere. You don't have to close your eyes. I've done it standing on lines in the supermarket. Um, You can do it just about anywhere. And really, one minute is so effective in reducing the stress, which helps you think clearer so you can make decisions in any difficult situations, um, which just helps you overall. So that is my gift to you and everyone else. That's so important, those small steps, you know, just one minute, just start with one minute. Yeah, yes, and build from there. 
And please share with the listeners how to get in touch with you. Where can we find you? Oh, yes. So happy to, to do so. So the place to start would be drdaku.com, my website, D-R-A-K-H-U.com, D-R-A-K-H-U.com. And uh, there you'll find some freebies and some videos and lots about the, the, all the things that I do. You can also go to sisterpiece.com, S-I-S-T-E, sister, T-A-P-E-A-C-E, sisterpiece.com. And there are some really great freebies. I have a whole um, freebie on, I think, four different breathing techniques that you can use that all take about a minute that are really great for stress reduction. There's the um, information about joining. I do once a month, I do a free open to everybody and anybody uh, meeting. And so it's a half an hour meeting. I usually bring a quote from a black woman or um, something that is somewhere connected to who we are and a Dinkra symbol. And then we talk about it together. It's a community meeting and that's pretty wonderful. And that's free for anybody and everybody. So information for that's the second Saturday of the month at 8.30 a.m. So the information is on the Sister Peace website. And again, you can get to the Sister Peace website also from the Crew website. So I look forward to seeing everybody. And there's information for anybody that has ADHD. That's also on the Dr. Aku website. I am starting a new coaching program soon. So um, please contact me. You can always reach me at Aku at drakhu.com, D-R-A-K-H-U, at D-R-A-K-H-U.com, if there are any questions. Thank you again so much for having me. Thank you. You are amazing. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then. Mm-hmm.